Yes, there we go. Hey, Jesus is risen. Yeah, man. Oh, so good to see you today. This is our third service, and I just want to affirm our worship team. They got here extremely early, and uh, they've been doing all three services. The guys in the sound and video have been doing this, and and I just want to bless them if we could do that. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, when we wrapped up the Good Friday service on uh, uh, Friday night, Brett uh, said some encouraging words, but he, he said about uh, Saturday was a silent day, and he, he talked about how that the religious leaders went to the uh, Romans and said, can we place guards at the tomb and, and this kind of thing? And um, I, I thought about that. I thought, you know, if there's anything Satan the enemy wants to do, he wants to keep Jesus in the tomb. He wants uh, believers to not really understand that Jesus rose from the dead. And I think there's people today that are still struggling with this concept and hopefully we'll clarify that a little bit today but if the enemy can do anything it's keeping Jesus in the tomb and uh, uh, not releasing his full power uh, that he desires for his children so uh, uh, I'm so glad you're here today because Jesus has risen um, I want to play a game just a, a, a second with you. Where were you when? Okay. Uh, my, uh, one of my daughters gave me a book uh, several years ago called Where Were You When? And it's got historical events, uh, fairly, uh, fairly current history, and at least during my lifetime. And I was able to look back at things and say, okay, uh, where, where was I at that point? Uh, so I'm going to do it with you just a moment. And, and some of these things, uh, some of you younger people are going to think, ah, I wasn't even alive, but we'll deal with that. Uh, where, where were you when the COVID-19 pandemic broke out? Uh, you, you may remember there's a certain part of that event that uh, just triggers in you. I, 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 I never want to go through that again. Um, I remember coming up here to study in my office, and you could hear crickets. There was nobody, and, and uh, uh, we just remember that from COVID, and it's still affecting us today. Where were you when the polar vortex hit uh, a couple of years ago? And... Uh, some of you have moved here, and you don't know what the polar vortex is. Uh, once again, I hope we never go through that, but uh, uh, that was a couple of years ago. Where were you when? Now, I'm going to go back. Uh, some of you will not have been alive, but where were you when 9-11 happened? That fateful morning, um, we as a staff were in uh, Bryan at a uh, at a staff retreat, and uh, I think Pam had called and said, have you got the TV on? And, and next thing you know, and uh, many of you 
um, uh, can relate to that. And then uh, certain deaths, um, Elvis, death of Elvis, some of you could care less. And, uh, but I was working in Waco Savings and Loan in the drive-thru, and I had a friend come through the drive-thru and, and uh, said, Mark, Elvis died. And I thought, man, the, the world's coming to an end. Elvis has died. Or Princess Diana. Uh, many of you, I remember it was a Sunday morning, um, or Michael Jackson when he died. Many of you remember uh, certain elements of that. Uh, for you that have lived here a while, uh, you may remember the Gerald Tornado. Uh, what were you doing? I remember it was a Thursday, and, uh, and uh, it, it just was incredible what took place. With that, you may remember. Uh, what about the space shuttle Challenger when it exploded? Uh, some of some of the younger generation said, I, "I don't know what's a space shuttle," and then I didn't know when it exploded. Uh, I I was uh, uh, driving in Oklahoma, scouting out a mission trip when when that occurred. I I just remember those things very clearly uh, what was going on. And I could, I could give you others, but these just affect you. And, and somebody says, well, I wasn't alive, so it hadn't affected me. Uh, let me tell you, 9-11, if you were not alive at 9-11, uh, I want you to know it did affect you. You have to go to the uh, airport two hours early and Strip naked to go through the, you know, it's, it used to not be that way. And you used to, I, I remember parking out in front, just running in to pick somebody up. It's not that way anymore. And uh, you've been affected by that. Uh, COVID has forever affected, even though it may not uh, continue. Well, there's still outbreaks, but. You know what I'm saying. The, whether you were there or not, you were affected by these things that happened. Um, let me ask you this question. Where were you when Jesus was crucified on a, a Roman cross? Where were you when he rose from the dead? And none of us were alive. Uh, none of us experienced that firsthand. But I want you to know, that event affected all of history. The, the trajectory of the world changed at that very moment. And you were there, you just were not there physically. And uh, this one event changed the trajectory of everything. All of eternity was affected by the resurrection of Jesus. This is a fact. An event, and so I'm not preaching to feelings today. I'm I'm laying out the facts, and you've got to respond to the facts. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 12. They will be on the screen. Perhaps you're new to um, the Bible, and. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 12. The 
the Bible is broken into two parts, in an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament talks about God's people, the Jews, and how they came into being. And then the New Testament speaks about the Savior of the world, Jesus coming. And then most of the New Testament was written by a guy by the name of Paul, and he wrote it letters to churches or individuals. And the reason he wrote those letters is because they had problems in the church. I, I saw uh, something the other day that uh, uh, the church in America, if Paul were alive today, he would be writing us a letter. And uh, he wrote letters because they had struggles. And the church in Corinth uh, had very many struggles. But let's look at, uh, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 beginning with verse 12, and we're going to go through verse 23. It says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has, notice that, in fact, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Uh, Paul is addressing this problem. False teaching had flowed in and uh, this false teaching said, Jesus really didn't raise from the dead. Uh, there's no afterlife. If there is, uh, Jesus didn't raise. And, and so this infiltrates the church. And so what has happened is, is that Paul is having a right to combat this uh, false teaching that has sprung into the church. And I, I, I thought about that because the influence of the church was very Greek and Roman, Okay. And that may not be a big deal to you, but it was very progressive in their thinking. They didn't necessarily believe in an afterlife. They believed that the body could not be controlled, the fleshly elements could not be controlled. And so there could be no redemption of this body, basically. And because they had this mindset, there was some things going on not just in the church, but in the culture. And let me share with you some of these. Um, the results were this. Number one, they lived for the moment. 
you know, they lived for the moment, uh, whether they were seeking pleasure or immorality or whatever, live for the moment. Um, grab for the gusto, so to speak. Number two, gratify the flesh. And this was a problem that uh, came into the church in Corinth, definitely. They, they had uh, an immoral problem. And then thirdly, there was no responsibility to an absolute deity. There, no absolute truth, so to speak. Because what you believe, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then we can uh, feel this way about it. And, you know, I thought about that. We see these results of uh, false teaching uh, today that have slipped in. And let me, let me give you some thoughts on that. Number one, uh, there's a pursuit of pleasure. Live fast, die young, leave a good-looking corpse, right? That's uh, part of our philosophy. And uh, because if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we just want to adhere to this. And you're seeing this very much in our culture. The second thing is this. Don't answer to an absolute authority. Because if Jesus raised from the dead, we're talking about a God who has sent somebody that has defeated death. And so we're going to answer to him. So don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. You don't have to answer to an absolute authority. Uh, you're the truth, in other words. Uh, thirdly, the world revolves around you. Uh, Self-gratification, self-seeking. Uh, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we're just, uh, it's all about me. Uh, fourthly. Uh, step on others to advance yourself. Because if this is all there is, then what we're going to do is we're going to step on others to advance ourselves uh, in this earth. Uh, and then fifthly, live for today because you don't know if there's a future. You know, we see this all the time. We, we live for today. And so... Anytime suffering comes, anytime something makes you uncomfortable, then uh, you want to get rid of it because you want to live for this moment. But I want you to know, if the resurrection of Jesus is a fact, then the resurrection of Jesus attacks this type of life, and there is a holy tension that exists. And we see this in our culture all the time. Well, I want to break apart what Paul says here just a moment. And I want to give you five things. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, these five things would be a reality. Number one is this. Jesus was a liar. He was a liar. Because you see, part of his teaching was, is that I will suffer, I will die, I will be buried, I will raise on the third day. And uh, so if, if, he, if this did not happen, then he was a liar. And who would give their life for a liar? Uh, and don't answer that because we live in, uh, uh, sometimes in a political system that doesn't completely tell the truth. But uh, who would give their life for a lie? And, and uh, if Jesus lied about rising from the dead, then anything else he said cannot be trusted. 
But if he did raise from the dead, then we must answer to that. And he spoke repeatedly to his disciples about this. You remember the one time Jesus said, I'm going to suffer, die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to raise again. And Simon Peter, who uh, had a tendency for, and I think I'm, I've got some Simon Peter in me, because your mouth bypasses your brain. And that's the way Simon Peter was. And so Simon Peter says to Jesus, he, he rebukes him and says, don't be saying that. And then you remember how Jesus responds. Jesus comes back and rebukes um, Peter by saying, get behind me, Satan, right? And so if Jesus did not raise from the dead, he was a liar and cannot be trusted. Number two, there is no hope of reconciliation. Now, what is reconciliation? Reconciliation, when two things are separated, uh, take a relationship, you have a broken relationship, you come together and that relationship is restored. That's reconciliation. Now, look at that on a grander level. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And so, what does that mean? That means that we're separated from God because of our sin. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. So we've got this problem. We're separated from God. We need a intermediary and an advocate who can come and help us to be reconciled but if jesus didn't raise from the dead we have no advocate we don't have anybody uh to uh build a bridge between us and, and a holy god because we're not holy and so jesus came it's like this <clears throat> suppose you committed a crime and you get arrested, and you um, are brought before the judge and a jury, and uh, you decide this, I'm going to defend myself. That doesn't work well in our system. But it, can you imagine standing before a holy God, and you're unclean, and he say, why should I let you into my kingdom? And you say, well, I did the best I could. I just did the best I could. I know I failed, but I just did the best I could. Or moral deism. You know what moral deism? My good deeds outweighed my bad deeds. And so um, we, we look at that and we, we say that to God. And let me, let me tell you something. The, what is unholy cannot come into God's presence. So we need an advocate. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, we don't have an advocate. We don't have somebody to stand in our stead who was perfect and holy and that we can cast our lives upon. So if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, there is no hope of reconciliation. Number three, <coughs> there is no transformation power. What is transformation? Transformation is, uh, transformation is, uh, go ahead. You, you, yeah, thanks, babe. 
uh, I figure if I can't speak 25 minutes, that I don't, that I don't need water. But this is my third time around, so it happened. All right, let's start over. Uh, I, I just get in a rhythm. and uh, Okay, thirdly, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, there is no transformation power. And transformation is what happens when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly or a, a tadpole t turns into a um, uh, frog. And uh, what... What happens is, is there are metamorphosis that takes place. Now, what does that mean spiritually? It means that you are dead in your spirit. And what God has done through Jesus is, is the scripture says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead indwells in us. So what happens is we're able to be transformed. You're no longer enslaved by your past. You're no longer enslaved to sin. You are now set free of, of the transformation power of Jesus Christ. And when I look in this room, I see the resurrection power. Because I look in this room and I see some of you whose lives have been transformed. And so I see the resurrection power in this room. But if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then there is no uh, uh, no transformation. Notice what it says in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith <clears throat> is futile and you are still in your sins. If Christ did not raise, you're separated from God for eternity. Addictive patterns, marriage failure, immorality, uh, these things that, that bind us so often, we just want to hide it instead of coming into the light and allowing God to um, bring us transformation power. So, there's five. Number four, there is no hope of an afterlife. Notice what it says in verses 18 and 19. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, if in Christ we have hope in the, this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And when he says fallen asleep, what he's referring to, he's not referring to the person that, sitting next to you in this service. He's referring to death, and, and that's what he's saying. So, if... Uh, if if Christ be not raised, then there's no afterlife. Death was not defeated. Uh, we don't have any hope. We live out this life and then annihilation, right? If, if you live out this life and annihilation, and, and there's cer certain people that believe in, in universalism. God is obligated to take everybody. But that's not true. It, the scriptures allude to a faith step uh, we must take to uh, receive Jesus as our Savior. But death has been defeated. But if he did not raise, death was not defeated. And then fifthly is this. 
There is no power in our words or deeds. Notice what it says in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In vain means fruitless. In other words, what you teach is fruitless and your deeds are fruitless. Now, I'm kind of uh, naive about things. I accept a lot of things by faith, which is good. But I, I know this. I know that I do not do what I do in addressing you and speaking to you and, and serve as a pastor. I do not do in my own strength. Uh, I know that. I, I'm not that talented. I'm not that smart. Uh, and so I trust God. Uh, I submit to him. And so here's what I believe. I believe that if God is in charge and I come and I say I want to stay clean before him and I want to acknowledge him and the gifts he has put inside of me and I say, Lord, fill me up. I cannot get up and speak three times and, and expect any life change. What I believe is I believe that God can take the words that I share. And it's not just me, but I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit in taking those words to transform life. <clears throat> and here's what I mean by that. You may be here today. <clears throat> you may be, I want, I want to, this is going to be good. Yeah. <clears throat> I want you to know it's not in my words. It's in the power of Jesus Christ. And you may be here today. And I am foolish enough to believe that your life can be transformed today. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for some mountaintop experience. Today, by faith, your life can be transformed. Mark, do you really mean that? You, if you only knew my past, if you only knew what I was going through right now, I'm telling you, we have a God that loves us and is in the transformation business. So there is no power in our words if Jesus did not raise from the dead. We are fools. We are fools. We are to be pitied. But Here's the question. What if Jesus did raise from the dead? I believe that 7 billion people are going to have to answer about that. Um, what if he did raise from the dead? What, what, you're talking, everybody's going to stumble. Have you ever eaten fish and it was supposed to be a filet and you get a bone in there? Oh, doesn't it frustrate you? I think this is the bone that everybody must wrestle with. Did this event really take place? If this event took place, we're going to stand before a holy God one day. And you're thinking, well, okay, Mark, I've made a decision for Christ. You know as well as I do, we screw up on a daily basis. Are we willing to come and say, oh, God, Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I, I just confess I'm struggling.
And this came, became reality uh, two weeks ago. We were at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, man, every day they had a battery of tests. I was poked and prodded uh, like crazy. And um, uh, on Thursday morning, I had what they call a lumbar puncture. They used to call it a, a spinal tap, but they changed the name. And I asked the girl, I said, why did they change the name? Puncture doesn't sound any better than spinal tap. And uh, so she, she called Pam in. We sat down and we go over everything. And, and uh, we, I had to sign off on, on this stuff. And, and, uh, and uh, she asked Pam to leave the room and... and uh, I'm so glad my wife made sure I had clean underwear all week long. Um, and and, and they, they had me lie on my left side in fetal position with my knees up, and she's punching along my spine. And lumbar puncture basically is they're going into your spinal column, removing spinal fluid. And uh, I've never seen spinal fluid. It's clear. Uh, should be, and uh, so she gives me a shot of lidocaine, and then she says this, oh, by the way, sometimes there's a cluster of nerves that are in there, and if I hit one, there will be a sharp pain, but it will subside quickly, and I'm thinking, I've already signed. I wish you'd have told me that before I signed the paper, and uh, so she's giving me a shot of lidocaine, and then she's going in with this long syringe to take the spinal fluid off, and sure enough, bang, she hit the nerve. And uh, it passed quickly, but uh, she, she got in there again, hit it again. So she calls another lady in there, and uh, uh, now, by this time, <clears throat> my ammo is to start sweating profusely when I anticipate pain, you, you're probably the same way. And so I'm sweating, they give me an ice pack, and she hits a nerve again, and I'm thinking, good night. This. And then I, I told her, she said, are you okay? And I, this is what I said. I said, I just gotta suck it up and get through it. And uh, she said, well, you really don't. I can go in somewhere else. And uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> so she uh, <clears throat> gave me an injection farther up my spinal column and went right in, no, no problem, and got it out and everything. <clears throat> and that night, <clears throat> I've been through tests all week long, and in uh, that night, a loving wife uh, who's always encouragement, and she said, and I had not told her about that event, she said, uh, she said, um, I know we're the suck it up family, but you're doing a great job. Now, I had not told her that I had told that lady, I just got to suck it up, but we are the suck it up family. Uh, no whining in our family. You, do, you don't whine, you just suck it up, put on your big boy pants, and you go in life. And, uh, but 
I, I started thinking about that. And I thought, how many people are there are just sucking it up thinking, I have a relationship with God. There's no fruit. It's, it's, uh, it's vain. It's, nothing is happening. Uh, and they're just sucking it up to get through this life, hoping they'll go to heaven someday. Let me tell you something. God is not looking for people to suck it up. He's looking for people to surrender and to submit to him as a holy God. And he wants to do it through you. And maybe you're here today and you that registered. Because you grew up in a suck it up family. No whining, just suck it up. But yet, when it comes to the Lord, he wants you to surrender and submit. And so he can live his life through you. Which is the life of joy and peace and forgiveness and reconciliation and redemption and all those things. I end with this. Um, for some reason, this was on my mind this week. Uh, but uh, five years ago, uh, September, my, my mom passed away. And uh, she was 90. And uh, uh, I would go up there on Mondays, to, up there as Waco. I would go and... Uh, see her on Mondays. About a month before she passed away, I went up there. And uh, now my mom, uh, for some of you that knew my mom, they, she was one of kind, that's for sure. Uh, but she could not see. She had a visual impairment uh, from macular degeneration. And then she couldn't hear very well. And so I'll go up there, and I, usually we go to Walmart, whatever. And she said that there was a group going from the assisted living place to a movie, and I want to go. I thought, Mom, you can't see, you can't hardly hear. I've sat down and watched, she loves basketball, so we'd sit down and watch a basketball game, and she's talking to me the whole time because she can't see it. And I'm thinking, this movie's going to be that way. And, and, but we go to the movie. And it, the movie was, I can only imagine. And uh, this was a month before my mom passed away. And uh, we watched that, uh, we watched that movie. And uh, yes, she asked me a lot of questions because she couldn't see it. But little did I know that a month later, because of the resurrection of Jesus, I knew that my mom didn't have to imagine the presence of Jesus. What about you today? Have you come to the place in your life where you've said, God, I submit, I surrender to you right now. Transform me, make me new.